This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. All right, let's go to the pitching side as we break down some of the veterans on the roster. Spent a lot of time on the pod last week talking about how the kids were faring. I think we've had a major breakthrough in a development here for Patrick Corbin, who has had five quality starts in his last six outings, and he's been ultra-competitive really now in seven straight outings. If you look at it, I'll just go in order. Six innings, two runs against the Tigers, and both of those came on a two-run homer in the first inning. Six innings, two runs against the Mets. Six innings, three runs against the Giants. Seven innings, two runs against the Cubs. So this month... He's got a 280 ERA in four starts and in 25 innings, despite only having 13 strikeouts, just 25 hits and, you know, his best ERA in a month in a few years. Uh, you go back to the end of April, five and a third, three runs against the Pirates, six innings, three runs against the Twins, six innings, two earned runs against Cleveland, and seven innings, four earned runs against the Angels. He really hasn't had a bad start since he got hit really hard by the Tampa Bay Rays on April 5th which was his second start of the season. It seems like Patrick Corbin has figured something out here. Yeah, and it's really weird because if you go look at some of the advanced metrics, he's still not having a great year. Like his expected ERA, I believe, is 610, which is only three-tenths of a run down from last year. So I don't quite know what's happened over the last couple of starts. It's one of those things where maybe the metrics just don't like him, but He's finding a way to get outs and not giving up the contact that he's used to giving up because I don't know that seeing him on the mound, it's looked noticeably different other than the fact that the guys are just swinging and missing now as opposed to rocking the ball all over all over the ballpark. Yeah, to your point, and I want to kind of back up what you just said with some numbers. I'm looking up at where he ranks percentiles this year. So, you know, out of 100th percentiles of, of pitching, you know, where does he stack up? 14th in average exit velocity. So 86% of pitchers are giving up weaker contact, essentially, than he is. 13th in hard hit percentage. Again, 87% of pitchers are, are giving up uh, less hard contact, the weaker contact. If you look at his expected batting average, second percentile, 98% of pitchers do a better job in terms of XBA. X slug, eighth percentile. K percentage, seventh percentile. Again, you want to be 99, 100th, 98th. The lower the number, this is not golf. The worse this is. Uh, whiff percentage, 15th. Fastball spin rate, 5th. Fastball velocity, 26th. The two areas where he's been very good this year, most notably, is walk percentage. He is not walking anybody. When you cut down on walks and you make people earn it, that helps, and it certainly has bailed him out a ton this year that he's not walking anybody. The other is extension, and if you compare his extension to last year uh, and the year before, it's always been very successful. He's 88th percentile, meaning uh, kind of like um, it, it has to do with uh, basically where it looks like the ball's being released from out in front of you. Um, he's 88. He's been 85, 83. So in other words, that's not an area where like he's improved. Whereas walk ratio, 99th percentile, or I should say um, 93rd percentile this year, it was 61st last year. It was 54th before that. So that's an area where he's really, really improved. 
But that expected batting average, even last year, which finished in the first percentile, second right now, we're painting a picture of the numbers may be way better than kind of the results should be. And maybe there's a regression back to the old ways coming. Yeah, and it's a weird thing, too, though, because this isn't like a sample size of two starts where maybe he just had the lineup's number. Like like you mentioned, really, since his second start of the year where he kind of got rocked, he's been pretty good. So the numbers don't seem to match the results, and maybe we're going to start seeing a little bit more of the Patrick Corbin that we've known over the last couple of seasons that's been one of the worst pitchers in baseball. But I, as much as you want to look into the advanced numbers, and I think that stuff can tell you a lot, at the same point, he's going out there and on the actual baseball field giving you quality starts. So I'll take that every day. One other pitcher real quick I, I wanted to just bring up because uh, we haven't gotten to talk to him uh, about him much on the pod. I will say he came on with Danny and I right after he signed, and he was a great interview. Maybe we get him back on here in the next few weeks. Trevor Williams, I like what he's done. You know, They brought him in here to, to kind of be a back-of-the-rotation arm. He's made nine starts. He's pitched to an ERA a little over four. 44 innings so far this season. Last time out, quality start against Miami, six innings, three runs. Uh, he would have more innings, and in, in his average you know, of innings per start would look a lot different if not for uh, a short outing with weather against the Mets. But Trevor Williams, I think, has given them kind of exactly what they signed up for. No delusions of grandeur. He's 31. He's a journeyman. He'd been in the bullpen with the Mets. He kind of failed out as a starter with the Pirates. But for this team that wasn't spending any money, you mentioned he was one of their big offseason additions. I think he's been a nice find for them. And another guy that, whether it's as in the rotation or in the bullpen, if he has a an ERA of four in a month or two, I think you could probably make some calls on him and, and maybe find a player someone's willing to give you for him. Yeah, I think with Trevor Williams, you brought him in. You needed someone to be in the rotation to eat innings. You had Corbin at the time you were thinking Gore, Gray and Cavalli. Obviously, Cavalli goes down, but you just needed someone to kind of eat innings. And I think that's what they brought Trevor Williams in for in hopes that maybe he could show you a little potential and move him, like we've mentioned with many other players they've done that with. And Trevor Williams has been more than just an innings eater. He's been a good pitcher for them and at times been a really good pitcher for them. So I think, yeah, you're right. If he can stick around where he's at or maybe even improve a little bit, even if he got just a little bit worse, honestly, I could see him being moved at the deadline. He's been a very solid piece of the rotation for them that every time that Trevor Williams takes the hill, you know that you're at least going to have a chance probably in that game. And he's just not getting hit that hard. I mean, average exit velocity, 76th percentile, hard hit percentage, 72nd, chase rate, 72nd. So people are expanding the zone on him. Uh, there, there's some numbers to like here, not walking many batters either. Uh, so that's a, a pretty good sign. Now, uh, if you look at the, deeper dive peripherals like his ERA right now should actually probably be five, not four, two, but uh, so far I would say so good. So decent, something like that uh, for Trevor Williams, which is about what we would have anticipated. Well, and real um, quick grant on yeah, that, go ahead. there's two pitchers. We just mentioned, we talked about Williams. We talked about Corbin expected ERA much higher than what their actual ERA is. I think that speaks a little bit to how much better this infield defense has been for the nationals this year. Obviously that doesn't necessarily account for all of that some of that's good luck but last year those eras if they were expected to be five and six they would have been five and six because they weren't making plays on the infield this year they're making plays for their pitchers and it's helped them out a lot it's a great point even with the high error count 
Like C.J. Abrams gets to a ton of baseballs. He's got exceptional range. Garcia's been fantastic at second base. We talked on the pod a few days ago about while you know some of the great stories so far for the Nationals this year. That's right up near the top. This was a guy that every time a ball was hit to him, no matter where he was playing defensively, you almost had to cover your face, right? And and this year with Louis at second, he's been really really good. And then at the corners, the, the new faces and new places. Jamer Candelario has been marvelous at the hot corner. I think he's been really, really good defensively. And Dom Smith has saved their bacon time and time and time again. You know, I always say that defensive metrics are pretty uh, fluky, and I still don't completely buy them for what it's worth. But if you look at it right now at third base, Jamer Candelario is 87th percentile and outs above average. You know, he, he is fielded. A lot of balls coming in toward home plate. Really, really impressive. Um, done some really nice things at third and just giving them outs on plays, as you said, really well, Tobe, that last year I, I don't think were outs. And at first base, I mean, how many more errors would C.J. Abrams have if Josh Bell was still over there? Like Dominic Smith has been vacuuming the ball up all season long, 90th percentile, outs above average at first base. Yeah, and I mean, if you were going to complain about anything with Dom Smith, his bat has been hit or miss, and it hasn't been necessarily exactly what you want with the power, but his glove has been so fantastic, and very rarely am I saying that about a first baseman because you want slugging out of that first base position, but he's been so good over at first. He gives help to the young guys on the infield, and then you you know add that with what Candelario has given you over at third, and I think it's improved a lot, and I think that's maybe why you've seen some of the guys in the pitching staff take steps forward where Corbin's kind of back to a little bit of what you were used to and gray and Gore have seemed to take real good strides this year as well. And I think that's really helping them out. Yeah. And I see on Nat's Twitter for what it's worth, Dominic Smith gets beat up a lot. Uh, people just, you know, they don't, they don't like the at bats or the, I, I think it's that you play first. So you don't have much power. And this has been an issue for him and the perception of him, his whole career as a first round pick out of a high school as a first baseman, which just doesn't really happen. But I say that to tell you, What gets slept on is the fact that he gets on base. He's got 21 walks and 28 strikeouts. I don't think there's another player on the team. In fact, I know there's not another player on the team other than K-Bert Ruiz, whose walks and strikeouts are that close together, right? I mean, K-Bert never walks and never strikes out. So I think he's got like 12 of each or something like that. But Dominic Smith on the year, over 20 walks, under 30 strikeouts. His on-base percentage is 357. He gets on base at a higher clip than Lane Thomas, who hits 290, than Joey Manessis, who hits 297, uh, than Candelario, who we're talking about, who is on a heater for them. So I care a lot about on-base percentage. Like, yeah, I want power. I'm not telling you Dom Smith is my ideal or prototypical first baseman. That's not my point at all. But when people are killing him for his lack of production, I think it needs to be acknowledged he's the single best on-base guy on the team right now, and he draws a lot of walks. Yeah, and I think he's a good teacher for some of the young guys because you just think about some of the at-bats he puts together. They're professional ABs. Maybe he's not driving the ball out of the ballpark, but the defense is shifting him as much as they can with the new rules, and he's still just dumping a ball into left field. He's hitting a little squibber over to third because they're shifting on him. Professional at-bats, a good approach, and hopefully he can help some of the young guys. Yeah, we talked about Luis Garcia. You talk about C.J. Abrams. They can learn from a guy like that. Even if he's not hitting the ball out of the ballpark, he comes up to the plate with the right approach, makes good at-bats, and even if he's not 
hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Even if he's not driving the ball in the gaps, he's finding a way to get on base. Like you said, outside of Victor Robles, he's got the highest on base percentage on the team at 357. That's the kind of stuff you want to have the young guys learn as well. So let's get into one other player from this weekend that stood out to me. I thought Josiah Gray was interesting in that start against the Tigers because this was uh, Sunday. He couldn't throw strikes. He was walking a lot of guys. I thought he was missing with some quality balls at times, but he still didn't uh, break. Like he bent, he bent, he bent, he bent, but he never broke. And eventually five innings of three hit one run ball, the six walks is an outlier on his season. But, you know, you've seen it now more often, right? He had four walks against the Giants, I think three against the Marlins. So over his last three starts in 19 innings, he's got 13 walks, which is obviously way too many. But he's been able to avoid crooked number innings. He gave up one run in each of his last two starts, two runs against the Giants. He stranded a lot of runners. I'm pretty excited about the fact that he's pitching, man. Like, he is learning to really uh, limit damage and get by with his B and C stuff. This has been a huge stretch for the 25-year-old. Yeah, that's what gets me the most excited so far for Josiah Gray. It's not the fact that he's struggling right now finding the zone. It's not all that stuff, and I'm sure at some point he's going to get that all figured out again and get back to the Josiah Gray we saw early in the season. The thing that gets me excited is he doesn't have his A stuff, and he hasn't had his A stuff for a couple of outings now, and like you said, he hasn't blown up. Last year, those were the outings that we saw him not even get out of the third and fourth inning because he'd given up a couple of homers and the, the ball game was basically already done. This year, he's finding a way to fight through it. And I think that's the growth that you see in Josiah Gray this year. We got spoiled for years with a guy like Max Scherzer, and they talk about it on the broadcast all the time. He doesn't have his best stuff, but he's finding a way to keep the ball club in the game and give the a, a little bit of distance in the ball game for the ball club. And that's something that Josiah Gray showed really well on Sunday. You don't want to see him consistently walking all the guys. There's no doubt about that. It's not like you want him to not have his A stuff all the time. But when you don't have it, can you find a way to battle through it and keep the ball club in the game? And Josiah Gray has shown that this year he's able to do that. Yeah, it's been a massive development. You know, it's it's kind of one of those blessings in disguise, so to speak, because you. my frustration has been it's not as crisp. It's not as dominant as it was early in the year. You know, he's not as um, the swings and misses aren't there to the same extent. He's not going six innings with, with, you know, a run on, on a couple of hits. There are more base runners. Having said that, I think this is an important hurdle for him to clear to kind of get through uh, this challenge of being able to really bear down. And he has gotten really good at it here in these last few starts, but we're due for, seeing him go out and just have a clean, quality, good outing because uh, it's been a few since that's been the case. How about the uh, Sunday game, speaking of that game against the Tigers, when they won the series, 18 hits, which I believe was a team high for the season. I mentioned Jamer had four. Riley Adams off the bench went four for four in that game with a home run. Ildemaro Vargas homered for the first time since last year, had multiple hits. It was kind of a, a bench day. I mean, Davey filled out the lineup to get some guys some A-Bs that normally don't for a day game on a Sunday going into the Monday off day. I think he wanted to to get some guys a, a couple of day reprieve. And boy, did it work out with uh, the spare pieces coming in to the lineup and delivering. Yeah, when I saw the lineup initially, 7-8-9 being Vargas at short, Chavis at second, Adams in the nine hole, I was like, oh boy, <laughs> you're going to do this with 
Josiah Gray on the hill. I wasn't a super fan of that. And, and the then series on the line too. The guys came through. You had Vargas with two hits. You had Riley Adams had a great day with four hits. Chavis came through with a base hit as well. And the, the whole ball club just put together quality at bats. And it's not like the guys that the Tigers were throwing on Sunday were great. You have a guy named Wentz who doesn't typically do well in Washington. So Carson Wentz. <laughs> you saw that happen. He gave up 10 of the hits. But I think that the guys just put together good at bats. And that's something that I think they've done a really good job of this year. And the, to credit to them this year and, and that ball game on Sunday in particular is they just didn't take the foot off the gas. They kept getting base hits, kept getting base hits, and the the next guy in the order didn't try to do too much. You know, there's two guys on. He didn't try to hit one out of the ballpark for the three-run home run. He took what was given to him, and the guys just kept the line moving, and they found a way to drive some runs in. You'd like to see with 18 hits, you'd like to see more than six runs score, but it was enough for him on Sunday. Where are you at on Riley Adams? I I keep thinking, and I, I said this on the pod last week, I want him to play more. Uh, Kbert Ruiz's future is massive and important, but you could DH him. You know, you could play Kbert a couple times a week without catching him. He also could just get a couple of more days off, you know, every week or two at the catching position where he's been an Ironman. And they, I mean, they don't give him a spell him a whole lot. There's not much rest there. Adams on a championship level team probably wouldn't be that interesting to me, but he's 26 and he's got big time power. He's a huge guy. 6'4", 260. This team lacks power. I mean, they're desperate for anyone who can kind of hit the ball over the fence. Uh, Forget that they had four hits and four at-bats against the Tigers on Sunday. I I know that's an an easy thing to get excited about. He was 0 for 3 in his start before that with a walk. And he's a career, like, 205 hitter. So I'm I'm not pretending like this guy is a star if they just let him play. But because he can hit the ball out of the park, like he just doesn't play that often. He played on the 10th against the Giants at a homer. Then he didn't play for four days. Then he didn't play for a full week, and he hits another homer. I mean, he's played three times in the last you know, two and a half weeks. I, I feel like there's probably a happy medium there where you don't have to play him a lot to the point where he gets exposed, but you could probably play him more, even if it has nothing to do with him. You're just trying to keep Kbert fresh so he doesn't hit a wall. Well, and I think that's exactly it right there, is you don't want Kbert to hit a wall because he's catching every single day. Like, right now, the pace that Kbert's on to catch is – absurd and he needs to have more days off and I'd like to see Riley Adams but you know to your point maybe he doesn't get you super excited but you also do need to figure out if Riley Adams is something maybe you could plan on having him as your backup catcher or you could plan on moving him depending upon what some of the guys in the minors have done because some of the guys in the minors that are catchers have done really well I'd like to see him just a bit more we know that Kbert's the catcher of the future so I'm not saying that he needs to be starting a majority of the games but so far on the season, only eight games and 30 at-bats. I think he needs a little bit more than that. 